Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. Forgive me, my voice is pretty kind of pretty kind of tired. Uh, my wife decides to uh, play a bunch of sports. That's kind of her gift. You know, she's just good at everything she does, everything she touches. And so, <clears throat> her first year she played football. This year, not lingerie football, not that kind of football. Uh, <clears throat> regular, regular like the way guys do. And so she had a game last night, and we we're traveling. And there I am in the back seat thinking like, it's already almost 11 o'clock, I'm tired, I wanna sleep, but uh, I'm grateful for my wife because she supports me just as much as I support her. And all throughout this past week, I'm, I'm in school and I'm on my way to get my, my degree and stuff like that. And um, this week it's been very for worship studies. And so I study this, I read it, and all throughout this week, it's been very, very hard to find time to read and to study. And even all the way up until last night, I didn't really quite get what God was trying to uh, tell me and speak to me. But uh, I know it's going to be good. I know God's going to move and speak this morning. Um, so before anything, uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for this time that we get to spend in your word. It's good food for us. And um, we're grateful that you're here and that you make an effort and you did everything across uh, the galaxy and make ways for us just to know who your son is and to have salvation this morning. And we give you praise and I just pray that you come and abide in us as we abide in you this morning. And we give you thanks in your name. Amen. So another thing, another thing about my wife is that, man, she loves food. And, I, and, and most people do, right? I mean, it's good. You know, we have are types of food that we really enjoy. And, uh, but the way to my wife's heart is through food and shoes. Anytime she gets money, I wanna go out to eat. Me, I'm like, well, I have to be in the mood to sit down and to talk and to wait for my food. And I'm, 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 more, I'm more of a fast food kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody else out here, we just wanna get our food and get out. You know what I'm saying? Like Chick-fil-A, they fast over there. But, you know, I, it's funny because I read this story and I can't help but think of fast food because uh, we'll read in Exodus 16, it talks about the manna and quail from heaven, uh, the people that God sets free from, uh, God's people, the chosen ones from Israel, he sets them free from Egypt and from Pharaoh and so they exit Egypt and they're traveling and then they get hungry. And I just, I just sometimes feel that they kind of, they kind of wanted some fast food, you know. And how many of us can relate that when we finally get our food, we eat it so fast, and it's like I want more. Where, why did I eat that so fast? I, I need more, another round. And no offense, but when I think about I want more. I can just see Pastor Matt, it's like, oh, 
I need more. <laughs> but I, I think that, I think that's what happens to us. And, and then even sometimes when, when we order something and, and it doesn't come the way that we ordered it, like they forgot my pickles. Are you kidding me? You got, you got, you got one job. Like seriously, you, you're going to forget my pickles, my large fry. You gave me a small, you didn't give me a large fry. Like, we just, we just get in these, these ways of fast food that sometimes it messes with us more than we think. But there's something about fast food that it's, it's really funny the way that I relate it to this story. But uh, it's going to be good. So if you have your Bibles uh, or your phones or whatnot, let's go to Exodus 16. And I'll be reading from... The NLT, New Living, transition, there you go right there, yeah. <clears throat> I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to preach long, I just want to read these couple stories to you. So just a little bit of backstory again, uh, God sets these people free, and he doesn't just set them free with giving them the keys and letting them walk out. They go through plague, trial, tribulation, and, and waiting, and expectation all throughout their exit. And it takes them a long time to get out of Egypt. And as soon as they get out, God, God is telling them, you, you're going to the place that I have for you. There's, there's a promised land. Just, just come with me, right? And so we pick up in verse 1, and it talks about, it says, Though, Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin, uh, which is just short for the area but, uh, around Mount Sinai. Between Elam and Mount Sinai, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around with pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. And my first, my first instinct when I read that is like, you were a slave for 40 years and you're complaining about 30 days. It wasn't even two months that had gone by that, no, you, you did this to me on purpose. You're, you're, you're trying to kill me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have food. You're, you're not going to give us food? And it's like, man, I remember when I went to Outback, I got this big old steak, shrimp, you know, everything you could ask for. I, that, that, I'll take that. That's what I want. It's like, you forgot my pickles, man. It's messed up. <laughs> so, uh. Then in verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for the day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people, of Israel. By evening, you will realize that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? 
Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all of your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Moses is like, bro, I just work here, okay? You're getting mad at me? This, this is not my fault. But it's funny, it's funny how God did a miracle, not just any miracle, made them pass through the sea on dry land. They get in the wilderness. They don't have anything to eat for 30 days, and then they complain, and then God says, okay, you know what? Forget about the, the 10 miracles that I had to perform to get you out and then the one that literally got you out, but it's okay. Don't worry about it. God responds with provision. God responds with goodness. But they're over here complaining. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because you're going to get meat to eat in the morning and bread to satisfy you in the evening. Let's keep going. Then Moses said to Aaron, announce this to your entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness. There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. And I, I, don't, un, I don't understand this part because the miracle hadn't happened yet. God gave him a promise. And it hadn't come yet. But in the middle, they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in a cloud. And what's, and what's significant about the cloud is that in the Old Testament, that's how God would show up. That's how God would come down. He, because you couldn't see his glory. It, it was too magnificent. It was too bright. He had to come down in a cloud. And I don't understand because it... In the middle is where they saw the glory. One moment they were complaining, God gives them a promise, and then in the middle, God shows up anyway. I wonder if sometimes our hunger can blind us. I wonder what would have happened if they saw the glory from the beginning. But anyway, God shows up in the middle. And not just anyway, but the way that he usually comes down in the Old Testament. Then in, in verse 11, then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have bread, all the bread that you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. The evening vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp, and then the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. Okay, think about like, think about fog and mist coming and laying on the ground, uh, solidifying and becoming as fine as sugar. It's like almost like little mini wafers and sweet. I mean, it sounds like they're really good. But all the bread that you want. And when it says that the quail flew in and covered the camp, what that means is that the quail would come in, they would fly down, and they would go crazy. Like, they would hunt and catch and kill these quail and save them up. That's what it's talking about. They caught all the quail they could in the morning. And then as, the, and as it settled, they had what was due 
and the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And I think it's amazing that they almost, they pretty much didn't recognize it. It's like you bring them their plate and it's like, what's this? That's not what I ordered. I want, and it's funny because they just ate meat, but then they look at the bread. The, the bread's different. The bread wasn't a loaf that they had to wait and cook and wait for it to rise and, and do something that took work. The bread came, settled on the ground, and as it dried, it became like wafers. To me, I find it funny that he gives them two things, meat and bread, but the bread is different. Let's keep going. Where are we at? Uh, and Moses told him, it is the food that the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household must, should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses said to them, do not keep any of it until the morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept, of it, kept some of it until the morning. By then, it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. And I, I don't understand. They basically hoarded their food. They're crying and crying and crying about not having food. They finally get food, and then what do they do? They try to keep it all for themselves. That's what doesn't make sense to me. God gave you something, and you turned it in to what you wanted. You tried to make a way for what you wanted because you were hungry. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I'll drive across town just to get the food that I want. It don't matter if it's out the way. It don't matter if I got to wait because I get that food and I eat it. But what happens at the end is what's significant. Yeah, I got what I wanted, but it didn't, it didn't fill me. And I wonder if we get like that, we eat so fast or we get in these moments where we want something so bad and then at the end of it, it's like, well, what now? See, because there's a difference than being full and being whole until you. The difference is that you can be full until you can't eat no more. And that fullness will last you for a moment. But when you're whole, it lasts for a lifetime. And I think that's what's significant about the bread. You can eat meat all you want. But when you eat bread, it's a different feeling. <laughs> uh. 
I wonder if our desires keep us from being whole. We get, we get so blind. And I feel like that's relatable to their entire journey in the wilderness is that they kept on looking for things that they wanted, that they wanted to see, they wanted to happen. And God is like, you don't understand. But complaint after complaint, God continues to respond like he does. Where are we at? 17, so the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. When they measured it out, everybody had enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. It's funny how when we follow the recipe, it's just right. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen, kept some of it until the morning. And by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was so angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then the leaders of all the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. He's telling them Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Chick-fil-A is closed. You better get it on Saturday. <laughs> but what's also funny is that God didn't put a limit on how much they could have. God doesn't put limits on what we can have. And you might think of this, think about the garden. God, didn't, God said, you can have all of this except for one. You got one thing. Don't eat it. And here he tells them, on Saturday or the day before the Sabbath, because days are different back then, on the day before the Sabbath, pick up two portions so you can have enough. They're not going to be food there. And what happens? So they put some aside until the morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good, without maggots or odor. Moses said, eat this food today, for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather food for six days, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground. Some of them went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my instructions? We can think about all the rules and all the things that God doesn't want us to have. And what he asked us not to do. And we can think about the significance of what was it about the tree that we couldn't eat. Or what was it about the uh, eating double on Sabbath that we couldn't do. But you know what I get from that? We get so caught up, and even the Pharisees, every time they confronted Jesus, they, tell, they try to get the explanation. 
because that's just us. We want the answers. We make it about ourselves. But I feel like God is saying, it's not about what I'm telling you not to do. It's about can you make me your God? Can you listen to my instructions? Don't get caught up in what you can't see. I don't want to get caught up in, in what I can't do. Because you know what's funny? You know what happens to your flesh? The more than you think about it, the more that you feed that desire, what's going to happen? Temptation is real. We know we've been on this fast. If I'm on a fast and I choose to not eat anything but drink only liquids, but I'm thinking about food, I'm looking at videos of food, I'm uh, paying attention to what other people are eating, what? that's not going to fly. I'm going to give in. We need to understand that it's about making him number one. When Jesus rode on a donkey, was he their God? Did Israel make him their God? When he was in the tabernacle teaching, was he their God? On the cross, when they were making fun of him, was, was he their God? Because I see that and, and I feel like God wants us to understand that he wants to be our God all the time. When I wake up at one in the morning, do I make him my God? And I'm not saying we, it's about always reading the Bible and, and always reading our word and fasting and make sure we're prayed up. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, does God have my heart? Does God have my desires? Because when I don't think about what God is doing, what God wants to change in my life, all I'm thinking about is what I want. And I feel like that's where these people were. When I'm, when I'm going to the store, is the Lord my God? When somebody cuts me off and I get mad, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I, dude, I get mad. I want everybody to follow the rules, okay? It's not that hard. Make it easy on everybody else. Is he my God then? Am I intentional about, you know what? Change my desires to yours. When I'm tempted, when I'm distressed, be my God. See, because it's the thing about the test is that every test shows you who your God is. Every time God asks to obey instructions and, and, and be submissive and, and and choose him, it's because we get in these moments where we're okay, we're good, then 30 days go by and we're hungry. Who's my God then? Is it me? Is it my desires? 29, they must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you that you may 
that gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. Do not go out and pick up food on the seventh day. So people did not gather food on the seventh day. They listened this time. Then 31, the Israelites called the food manna. It was white like coriander seed, and it tastes like honey wafers. Then the Lord said, this is what the Lord commanded. Fill a two-quart container with manna to preserve it for your descendants. Then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free from Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, get a jar, fill it with two quarts of manna, then put it in the sacred place before the Lord to preserve it for all future generations. God is like, I know you like souvenirs, okay? So take this with you. Aaron just did as the Lord had commanded Moses. He eventually placed it in the Ark of the Covenant in front of the stone tablets described with the terms of the covenant. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. They ate this for 40 years. Imagine you ate Chick-fil-A for 40 years. Some of you may think, that it wouldn't go bad or that it would still be good every single day. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm telling you right now, it don't matter how good something is. We're going to get to, we'll, we'll get to, hang on, hang on. All right, jump, jump with me to John 6. We're going to pick up John 6. God, uh, Jesus is here. He's incarnate. He's been doing miracles. Saving people's lives. And right here we pick up in verse in John 6, 26. And keep in mind, right before they have this conversation, Jesus feeds the 5,000. So then right after, Jesus walks on water. They go to the other side. And then people are looking for him. People are looking for him because they're hungry. So we pick up in 26. Here we go. It says, I tell you the truth, you only, you only, <laughs> you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood this miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. God's like, no, 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 I, I know what you want. You look at me and you see tacos. You look at me and you spread. Don't get it twisted, okay? You're with me because I fed you. So keep going. 20, 28, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? You know what they wanted to do? They want to make food for themselves. I want to be able to make bread. I want to be able to feed myself. We want to perform God's works. What should we do? Teach me how to cook so I can feed myself. And, and this is what Jesus said. Jesus told him, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. It's like, no, 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 no. You, you can't be the cook. You, you can't be the owner. There's only one cook. He's unmatched. This is the only work God wants you to believe. Believe in the one he has sent. Then they, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can we do? What can you do? 
After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. They literally turned Jesus into a vending machine. Show us a sign. What, what can you do? Show us, man. You serious? And then they, then they throw a jab. It's like, oh, you, you fed our ancestors. Scriptures say they got to pull the scripture card. When somebody mad at you, no, 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 brother. The Bible says <laughs> they ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. Scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus responds, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They're like, you, nah, you, you're not seeing it. I'm the cook. I'm the owner. I know what you want, but I know what you need. That's what he's telling them right now. Sir, 34, they said, give us that bread every day. They're like, I'll take that. You go up to a restaurant and say, like, hey, man, what's good here? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I'll take that. You serious? I want that bread every day. <laughs> but they're still thinking about the physical. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty but you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those that the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up in the last day. Jesus is trying to get them to understand that I know you're hungry. I know you want something. But Jesus is doing his best to show the world that true hunger, true hunger comes from one place. When you're hungry, the only way you can be satisfied is if you're about your father's business. You sent me not to do my own will. He, he, he's not hungry for the things that he can do, the signs that he can perform, stuff that he said. He's, he's not hungry for that. I'm here so that I can feed you. Why? Because my, my Father in heaven wants me to. My Father in heaven calls the shots. But what's significant about this is that they don't see what he's talking about because they're blinded by their hunger. 
They think they're hungry just because they want something. And Jesus is telling them, no, 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 no. True hunger comes from heaven. You can be hungry now, but that's not going to do you any good. I can make you a steak, but it's not bread. 41. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can we say I came down from heaven? I would have left the room right there. But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. Here we go. We're too analytical. We think too much. We think we know what's best. Stop complaining about what I said. Stop missing the point. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. He's like, you can't see it if you're not looking. You can't see and understand what I'm saying, what I want to give, because you're not looking. You got your own agenda. As it is written, 45, in the scriptures, they will, be, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I who was sent from God have seen him. I tell you the truth. Whoever believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats this bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer to the world so that they may live is my flesh. What do, you, what do we think the bread is? Jesus finally makes the notion that bread is equal to his flesh and blood is equal to the wine. He's saying, okay, look, this is me. This is what it's about. What does his flesh represent? His sacrifice. What he paid. What he paid so that he can give you for free. And the blood. What does the blood represent? Salvation. Man, you know what? I forgot. Today is Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday, guys. It's the week before the resurrection. It's a good day. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer to the world so that they may live is my flesh. I think what Jesus is trying to say is that I don't, I don't just want to give it to you. I want to impart it. He's telling them to take it. Take it in. Don't just let it be something that you eat. Rest in it. He's telling us to eat it because it's when we digest the word of God 
that we become changed when we impart and take part in the communion and drink his blood and eat his bread, that's when we get the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about bread or his blood. It's not just about him giving us something, satisfying the natural things. God is like, you got to see the kingdom. Realize that it's not about him giving us something that could only last for now. He wants to impart it. Then the people began, 52, with each other about, hold on, I messed up. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. And in the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus is saying, look, there's a way that this works. Jesus was here. He did everything, said everything that his father told him to. You know why? Because they were once one. In the beginning, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were there. Now that Jesus had come to the earth to do the will of God, he remembered that him and his father are one by what? Their communion, their intimacy. Jesus was telling them, there's no separation between me and the father. So here Jesus explains that unless you have me, we cannot be one. Unless you partake of me, you cannot be whole. Only when you're filled can you see and be raised on the last day. Fifty-eight. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did. Booyah. Even though they ate manna, but will live forever. See, I had a, I had a hard time with this fast at the beginning because I've done, in my younger church or Christian years, I just hit 10, by the way, 10 years following God. Praise the Lord. Uh, but at the beginning, I always fasted. Always. If I ever wanted something, if I was seeking the Lord, I was always fasting. And my mom can testify. It was, it was, it was like clockwork. I've done it before. And so when I came, and, and it's been years since the last one I've done, but when we came into this one, I was like, oh, I got it. Been there. So when I, right before the week, 
that we started the fast, I ended up getting food poisoning. Check that out. I was in bed from Sunday after church, after we ate lunch, around 4 o'clock till Friday, 8 o'clock, in bed. The worst. I do not wish that upon anybody. It was the worst. I didn't really eat besides maybe baby food or a little bit of soup here and there. I drank a lot of water, drank a lot of Pedialyte. And at the end, I, I was supposed to do, or I started the only liquids fast. So coming off from no food, going into, it was almost like I had almost fasted for a week before. And I got through the first day, and it was rough, man. Got to the second day, texted Matt, I was like, yo, bro, I don't know if I can do this, man. <laughs> but I struggled so hard because I, I didn't want to let God down. I had been feeling like, like I was supposed to do the liquid fast. But I remember back then when I fasted, I tried to do it on my own. I fasted because I wanted to, which is great. But when you're not about your father's business, it doesn't last. It was funny because I ended up stopping and I switched to a different fast. And I felt that my hunger began to change. I almost felt that I didn't want food anymore. I didn't want to go out to eat. I, I didn't want anything. My appetite began to change. And so I, I look at this story and I look at my recent experience and I'm reminded by when Jesus was in the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit, what happened in that wilderness? God's desires changed. Jesus was confronted and had to face things that were tempting. Don't, don't just think that because he was Jesus, he didn't have a hard time. Jesus was confronted with temptation, with things that could potentially be the worst thing. I look at that story, I look at the people in the wilderness, I look at myself, and I think, what was God doing? It's in the wilderness that our desires change. It's in the wilderness that we're tested. But I look back, and I understand what God was trying to do. God was trying to change my appetite. God was trying to make me realize that my hunger can lead me down the wrong way. It can blind me from things that I can't see. Let's go back to Numbers 11. Numbers 11. 8, 6, 7, 5, 3, 1. 
Where are we at? Verse 4. 11, Numbers 11, verse 4. Nope. Y'all there? Say amen. Worship team, you can come up. What time is it? How long have I been? 15 minutes? Cool. No? 45? I've been up here 45 minutes? Really? Really? No, are y'all being serious? Okay, cool. I'm, I'm done right here. My bad. <clears throat> Y'all there? Say amen. Numbers 11, verse 4. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling. Oh, sorry. So this is the same story told in a different way a little bit. It's got a little bit more detail. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel all and to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this bread. All we ever see is this manna. I don't believe that what God gives doesn't sustain. I don't believe that what God gives doesn't last for a lifetime and beyond. What were they doing? Thinking about the past. Think about the time they went to Outback. Thinking and realizing and pondering on what they used to have, what they thought was good. You know what they were doing? Feeding their flesh. They didn't realize. It wasn't the fact that their appetites were gone. They just forgot who they were feeding. You have two people inside you, your flesh and your spirit. When we don't feed our spirit with the word of God, we lose sight of the kingdom. When we don't feed ourselves with the spirit of God, with the word, we miss it. We can't see it. We're blinded. We're hoarders. When we don't feed our spirit, eventually that appetite will go away. I messed that word up big time, right? Appetite. Because sooner or later, whichever one you don't feed will go away. If you feed your flesh, your fleshly desires will roam free and your spirit will begin to fade away. When we feed our spirit, the word of God imparted in us 
That's when we see the kingdom. That's when we're about our father's business. That's when we see the glory. That's when we see the goodness. It don't take the end to see the glory. We can see it in the middle. We can believe it at the beginning. What's God saying? So significant about this fast, we gotta change our appetite. us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.